They must be destroyed on sight. everyone to they must be destroyed on site a movie podcast uh i'm lee russell and i'm uh, joined by my friend daniel harper say hello daniel how's it going lee uh it's going it's going uh we're still in october and uh this time around uh we have yet another horror movie to sort of fit the uh, theme of the season i guess and this one was picked by daniel and it is the 2004 remake of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead from 1978. And it's uh, directed by Zack Snyder, who has gone on to do a lot of big things, including uh, 300, Watchmen, uh, and several of the DC uh, Universe movies now. I guess he did The Man of Steel, and he's doing uh, Batman versus Superman, and he's doing, I think, the Justice League movie or something like that at some point. So he's, you know, he's he's moved on quite a bit. Um, and this was uh, basically, uh, the screenplay was written by James Gunn, who basically just re- rewrote uh, George Romero's screenplay. And um, I guess I'll just uh, throw it over to you, Daniel, uh, let you start. Yeah, I didn't realize this was written by James Gunn at first. So uh, I was definitely, like, I saw his name, and I like James Gunn a lot. So it was definitely, uh, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Although, reading the Wikipedia page for this movie in preparation for the podcast, you find that there were a couple other writers that were brought on to kind of substantially rewrite it. Um, But you do kind of get some of those James Gunny uh, moments in this. If uh, I had started this podcast, I would have said, you know, I really think that um, the guy who wrote this, maybe he should do, I don't know, just spitballing here, he should do a movie about like a talking raccoon, you know? Um... (laughs) And the guy who directed it, I just see him doing Superman for some reason. I mean, I think these two guys are on for big things. Yeah. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Uh, It was definitely one of those um, moments, because when I recommended that we watch this, um, it was really just kind of like, oh, I've got the DVD, like, on the shelf. My wife owned owned it, and I'd never seen it. Um, And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to catch up with that. You You know, in my head, it's that new... Dawn of the Dead remake, and then mm. I went and looked at it, and it's 10 years old. So yeah. <laughs> um, I have been completely left behind by pop culture um, and cultural criticism. I have no connection to it whatsoever, and therefore it will it will happen to everyone eventually. Just keep that in mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> all that said, um, you know, very much kind of taking the, uh, you know, I think anybody listening to a horror movie podcast has seen the original Dawn of the Dead, so I don't know that we need to go too deeply into the plot um, of the original, um, but, you know, basically zombies in a mall. Um, this is an idea that's been reused kind of over and over again. Um, the popular Dead Rising series of video games kind of do the same thing, and I have played endless hours of the first and second Dead Rising, so oh, yeah. um, no question on that. Uh, very entertaining games if you're out there. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting a lot from this remake. I was kind of on that, uh, you know, decent, it'll probably be a decent little movie. I kind of popped it in at the end of the night. I had an early class the next morning and I'm like, oh, I'll watch like half of it. I'll go to bed. I'll watch the next, the next day. And I ended up not only watching the entire movie, but I ended up watching some of the special features because I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. 
um, oh, yeah. which was kind of interesting for me. Um, but um, yeah, the plot basically covers. Uh, you first meet Sarah Polly, who is uh, I forget her character's name. I, I'm terrible with the characters' names in this. Cause I think it's Anna. Anna, yes. I've, I got the list for, you know, on Wikipedia, so I don't have to worry about it. But uh, so she's uh, a nurse, and she's at work. She's had a long day. She goes home. She meets a little girl. She has some sex with her husband, not with the little girl, thankfully. <laughs> um, sorry, that might have been confusing. Um, but meets a girl, has some sex with her husband. Uh, and then uh, they fall asleep. Uh, thankfully, she wears clothes when while she sleeps <laughs> because otherwise, because when she wakes up, uh, the little girl is a zombie and attacks her husband. And then she gets attacked by her husband after he turns into a zombie. Yeah. And a uh, probably one of the big action set pieces in the movie is that first kind of opening sequence. Um, and really, after that, there's not a lot of horror in this. There's not a lot of, uh, like, straightforward gore. Um, it's really a little bit more yeah. character-based. Um, but really, what I found, the reason I wanted to kind of go through that is, like, after the end of that opening sequence, uh, Ving Rhame shows up, and it's literally, like, male protagonist coming through here. Um, she, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of on board. This uh, this nurse is going to be kind of is going to be kind of a cool protagonist for the zombie no 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 ving Rame shows up he gets to be the protagonist for all of three minutes and then the next pasty white guy shows up and he gets to be the real protagonist so um in on the order of like who your protagonist is pasty white guy beats marcellus wallace beats um compelling female character every time um in mainstream <laughs> hollywood so um that's all the jokes i have for right now so uh please uh uh, I don't know. What did you think of the opening in particular? I thought it was really effective. Um, they they did the pre-title sequence, of course, with the with the uh, her husband turning into a zombie and attacking her and her escaping. Um, I thought it was, and then it went right into the credits where it started showing news clips and stuff well, of the entire. You get the scene of her know, escaping with that kind of cool shot of the camera kind of mounted to the back of the car, sort of thing. Yeah, and then she crashes the car, and then the opening, then the then the credit sequence happens. Then, yeah, um, uh, I mean, it, it it was really effective. I mean, um, she's obviously like just like like anyone would be in shock because she's she's a nurse, so her husband gets bit, and she's trying to stop the bleeding, and it's too late. It's an artery right in his neck, and he dies, but he pretty much instantly comes back. And so she's got to fend him off and escape, and she escapes in her car. And, it, it you know, you don't have time to think. And there's a nice little nod to uh, Night of the Living Dead, by the way. Actually, a couple nods to Night of the Living Dead in that opening sequence. Uh, the little the little girl uh, killing someone, that's a direct reference, I think, to the uh, girl killing her uh, mother in uh, the original Night of the Living Dead. Um, there's the car crash with Sarah Polly, she she runs her car off the road into a tree. That is direct. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that one, but you're right. You know, that's right out of Night of the Living Dead. That's considerably higher also, budget, though. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and if and some people might have not caught it, but um, when they do that aerial shot of uh, the cars and stuff speeding down the road, and one of them basically hitting a, a gas station and exploding the gas station. That's actually something that was referenced in the original Night of the Living Dead, I believe. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the protagonist of Night of the Living Dead, uh, Ben, 
uh, reference that he saw that happen. Uh, so they actually kind of take the entire Night of the Living Dead and, and put it into a little microcosm of the uh, of the opening credits. Uh, although a, a lot of people probably watching this for the first time probably didn't catch that because they probably never even seen the original Night of the Living Dead. That's so. interesting. It's I've seen. I love Night of the Living Dead. I haven't seen it in a while, so I didn't catch that. I didn't catch all those references. So that's that's really cool, though. I now it makes me want to go back and rewatch the original, um, which yeah. is. Never a bad thing, in my opinion, just to rewatch the original Night of the Living Dead. Oh, definitely not. Um, you know, one of the great horror movies of all time. You know, and not yeah. not not just my opinion, but in you know, people much more educated in the genre than I, I think, would argue that. Yeah. So, like, I, I think I think the um, I think the title sequence is actually, and also uh, there's a bit there's a bit that sort of connects to the title sequence as well, where. Uh, Sarah Polly and her husband are, are having their date night, and they're totally ignoring what's going on on the television. Like this, this outbreak, which is, um, it's uh, hinted that it's a virus of some sort, and it's spreading like wildfire. Like, and it's talked about on the news, but they're ignoring the news. And I think it makes a good point about how people these days, where they have twenty-four hour news networks. Uh, they they sort of you, you take it for granted. You don't necessarily pay attention anymore to what's on CNN because they're saying the same crap over and over again. So it, it sort of makes sense that a lot of people would be sort of nonchalantly ignoring this until like literally a zombie is biting you in the face. No, absolutely. Uh, the same idea was played with in Shaun of the Dead, uh, which was the same year this mm. came out. Uh, you know where you know literally the world ends and and people are so just inured to the very idea of, of like paying attention to the world around them that they don't even notice. Of course, there it's played for comedy, whereas here it's kind of played yeah. as, as, a, as a little bit more of a tragedy, um, or at least a, a commentary. But no, you're right. Um, they, they're, it's kind of like the news is on. It's kind of there if you're listening to it. But, I mean, you know, honestly, it just sounds like a newscaster on the news saying blah de blah de blah you know, things are going bad. And... Uh, Interestingly, a lot of the news footage that they use in these, you know, kind of um, opening credit sequences, the, the news stuff, I mean, those are obviously not staged. Those are like real riots and things mm -hmm. that happen around the world. That's real news footage. So, um, and the fact that it's so common that you couldn't even like, look at that and go, well, clearly that was, you know, that event in 2004. I mean, it's just like, oh, this is just yeah. on the news all the time. Um, as long as we're talking about news footage, I would like to... Uh, mentioned that uh, uh, Max Brooks, um, who wrote the wonderful World War Z, is thanked in a couple of the extra uh, features on this disc. Um, I don't think he had anything to do with oh, making yeah. it a movie, but I think um, he wrote the zombie survival guide first, and I think that um, maybe uh, some of the ideas at play in the movie kind of come as much from that as anything. Um, and his World War Z, I don't know if you've read that book, but the book is amazing and uh, very much about the uh, kind of cultural way that we would actually respond to a zombie attack. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't read it yet. I am going to yeah, read it. I, I've heard the movie's um, awful, so I haven't even seen it yet. But the, the, the book is amazing. Yeah. Um, it's one of those few – you know, I we talk about horror movies a bit, and I have an issue – I just don't get scared by things very easily. Um, I tend Me to just kind of sit and – I want like some meat to something to think about or some character to follow or some you know and having a you know something that's just trying to scare me it's just like I, I don't care but um reading World War Z definitely 
creeped me the fuck out. Um, so, uh, I, you know, because it does feel very real and it does feel like, like I read it late at night one night and I was like, actually like wanting to make sure my doors were locked. Um, so it, it creeped me out. Um, sorry to talk about something completely different, but I did want to just stick that in there while we were talking about news footage and that sort of thing. Um, shall we move back to Dawn of the Dead now? Sure. Certainly. Um, why don't you continue? Like, like, what do you, what do you think of the not to take over your podcast, but um, what did you think of the movie in general? Um, without kind of dealing with so much of the plot, you kind of get a bunch of characters. Some of them die, some of them live for a while. Um, and, no. uh, you know, it, it's kind of a sequence of stuff that happens more so than it has a, like, a really through-line plot. And I don't know that we want to go through the details of exactly what happens in every scene, but, um, like, what was your opinion of the movie overall? I was um, I was pleasantly surprised with how good it actually was. Um, I, I was like you. I was very hesitant to actually watch it when I first did because I figured, oh, man. That, I mean, the original Dawn of the Dead is, like, one of the movies, like, where I, I truly, like, love to death, where I, I just dreaded the thought of it being basically shat upon by just some hipster director who doesn't know what he's doing, you know. But they, they actually they actually did a great job with this film. They, they treated the original with respect. They didn't trounce the, uh, the legacy of the original and they went in their own direction. And I think they went in a good direction too. I mean, they make it a much more fast paced action film. They don't dwell so much on the social problems. Like, uh, this, this film is depending on the cut of the original Dawn of the dead that you, uh, enjoy the most. This film is 20 to 40 minutes shorter than right. the original Dawn of the Dead. So they they really don't linger on the sort of issues that George Romero was lingering on in in that film. Uh they basically breeze over a lot of it. Uh there there there's really not um there's 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 not all so much about uh sexism, uh racism, uh commercialism. Uh in fact really the only big topic they cover and again that was in the opening credits is more the uh the um the mass media and the desensitization to tragedy and and things like that going on in the media because it's always reported on like 24 hours a day seven days a week right so so they focus more on um they focus more on the uh, actual action scenes uh and i think that's a wise move I, i think if they tried to um focus on more social issues in this movie it probably wouldn't have worked as well because the movie is set up as a slick action film and quite frankly they have too big of a cast i think uh, they they spend a lot of time um with with characters like there's characters that basically you don't know anything about you don't get to know them at all now, did you watch uh, the unlike... sorry to interrupt you did you watch the original cut or did you watch the director's cut of this I've I watched the uh, director's yeah, cut. The, the, the director's cut, the uncut, is the version that I watched. I didn't see the original, so I don't know the differences. Again, I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's not. It's like ten minutes longer or something. It's not like this huge extra cut. Um, apparently, there's a mm. little bit more gore, and some of the mechanics of how they get in the mall are explained a little bit better yeah. in this cut. And there are a couple little character moments, but there's not a lot. I mean, from what I was reading, it's not like a drastic difference in terms of that. So I just wanted to make that clear. Um, 
Yeah, it, I mean, it, it really only focuses on, like, a handful of the characters, and the rest of them are just sort of supplementary characters that uh, could die or or survive near too near the end at any given moment, right? It's like, it's, it's not really, I mean, they, they have the, uh, they have the, the gay character. It, it almost feels like, um, Oh, look, look at our movie. We have, uh, we have a black guy. We have a, a strong female character. We have the typical white guy. We have the, uh, white, uh, bigot. Uh, we have a gay guy. Uh, we have a, uh, a redneck, you know, we, we, we've covered the entire genre of the human experience, apparently, but we're not going to actually focus on really any of them or anything like that. So uh, I, I, I honestly, I think it was a smart move that they didn't try. I think just making this more of a uh, fast paced sort of uh, popcorn movie was probably in their best interest and it probably made the movie work a lot better. Speaking about the size of the cast, um, I, I, I do agree with you that there are too many characters here. Um, it's interesting that we kind of start off with a group of, what is it, five? Bing Rain, Sarah Polly. Yeah, uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, about f- Yeah, so five, you start I off guess, with about yeah. five, and then you kind of get into the mall. You meet three more kind of crazy security guard guys of various levels yeah. of craziness, and... At first, you think they're going to be just kind of psychotic rednecks, and they kind of get to be a little bit more complex than that, which is nice. Um, yep. yep. You know, definitely something I, you know, it, once you started to see the subtlety in that, I started to, it started to kind of make me think, oh, this is going to be a little bit more, you know, you're right that there's not like a big idea in this movie. Um, I do think that there's stuff to kind of hold your attention. Um, uh, in particular, you know, once they, you know, in talking about the size of the cast, um, once they kind of bring in the uh, the group of people in the back of the truck uh, about halfway through, and then you see the guy across the street, yeah. and, um, you know, there's a really interesting thing of where they start to build a little society in the mall. Yeah. And it made me want to see, it made me want to see, like, a Deadwood, but set in a zombie apocalypse. You know, like, like, you know, oh, we happened to have the mall. The mall was defended. Uh, we had some some food. We had, you know, and then how we build a society in this world. Like, um, there is a little bit of that of like how they suddenly find a certain normalcy or normalcy, you know, mm-hmm. um, and how the different characters interact. But for the most part, they kind of introduce a bunch of characters. Uh, Matt Frewer, who, you know, TV's Max Headroom. Yeah. Um, and I remember him from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, when I was a kid. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt Frewer's in this. He has a, a really good scene as a uh, kind of uh, zombie-infected um, father uh, who makes a yeah. decision that, um, you know, a little bit heartbreaking right there in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty cool uh, truck driver, female truck driver. Who really doesn't have anything to do, but she's pretty badass, and I appreciated that. You know, yeah. kind of middle-aged woman, uh, kicking ass and taking yeah. names and sensible shoes. I, I'm never going to complain about that. Um, <laughs> uh, really interesting decision with Makai um, Pfeiffer and his girlfriends, uh, who yeah. I think we'll probably talk a bit about that shortly. But there's some, you know, there are some interesting characters here. But you're right, they do kind of introduce a bunch of people. And then they kind of do nothing. You know, there's the hot girl. There's the rich guy. There's the, you know, um, 
gratuitous uh, sex scene with her tits out for, I mean, literally no reason, yeah. you know, except just to display the, the said tits and to uh, demonstrate the kind of rise of just, oh, this is just normal behavior. So um, if there is a big idea, it is that, you know, we can find uh, normalcy anywhere. We can find, uh, even in the most dire circumstances, we can still um, want our, you know, iced coffee or whatever, but um yeah yeah <laughs> i i th- i think the i think the interesting thing here is um in, in this in this film they really don't um they don't have to defend them all i mean um in, in the in the original film there there comes the part in the final act with the uh roving biker gang that attacks the mall right, right? and they don't really have that threat here so honestly they and they don't really present the mall itself as a character like they do in the original film i feel in the i feel in the original film the mall itself is almost like a character onto itself in you a do way. get a little bit of media satire just in terms of the names of some of the stores and that sort of thing um there is a there is a uh, little yeah. bit of fun stuff there um i did like that the little furniture store was called metropolis which again with man of steel kind of you know mm-hmm. oh um that seems yeah, a little it, prophetic and but, there there were and there was the, uh, the, I guess, the clothing store called Galen Ross, which was the actress who played right. uh, Fran in yep, the original. Yep. And there, and there was uh, also a uh, Woolies uh, diner, I think, who was the uh, bigoted racist cop in the original film, who in the in the opening scene where they're attacking the apartment. Oh, the nice, fat cop. nice. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I need to re- <laughs> I need to see that one again too because I really love that movie. And I haven't seen that one in a while either, but. Uh... But it's 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 like the, uh, in the original film, the mall becomes an entrapment for the people because, uh, like in, in that mall, uh, they are set up like basically almost for life. Like they they could stay there for quite a long time, but the the luxury and the the trappings of the previous society, uh, almost makes it their tomb because the people who escape the mall, they're ones who are actually able to leave their consumerism and their comforts from the, from their previous lives and, and, and get away from it. Like everyone who dies in that mall basically wants to keep that mall because it offers the comforts and things that they had in, in their, in their previous lives. Uh, in this film, it doesn't really focus on that all that much. It, it just, it's like, Oh, we have to escape the mall just because almost well, they just because we need an action they get scene. to this and you know the the idea i guess i guess there's an attempt to kind of capture the ennui you know um of mm-hmm. we're in the mall it's this you know all the footage of the mall all the shots of the mall kind of make it this very artificial environment um the yeah. characters you know the the uh the big um security guy guy kind of i forget his name too he uh he doesn't CJ. let them like loot the mall. He's like really insistent that nobody loot the mall, and that that seems like almost like a budgetary decision on the state on the case of the filmmakers, maybe. But um, mm-hmm. you know, they really don't. You really don't see a lot of like mall destruction in this. I mean, it's very very minimal. By which you know, I kind of you, know, you see this this kind of glossy artificialness to it, and the movie really isn't exploring that. But I guess you could kind of justify. I don't want to die in this place that is that looks like this all the time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think that's maybe what they were going for, you know, in kind of justifying we need to leave. 
um, or we're just stir crazy maybe, but um, that really isn't sold in the yeah. text of the film. That's something that you know you kind of can bring to it later, but um, certainly there's not like a big debate about we need to leave. It, it just kind of becomes, well, time for the big action scene to end the movie, and so we're going to leave. Um, two uh, yeah. disastrous results. Sorry, spoiler if you haven't seen the movie, but um, <laughs> you know, zombie movies tend not to have happy endings. Let's just, uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, maybe we'll get to the ending shortly. I don't know what you, what else you want to talk about, but uh, I mean, really, the only character who wants to leave is uh, the one Ving Rhames plays, Kenneth. He's because he wants to find his. He brother. wants to go to the. That is an interesting point. He wants to find his brother. He wants to go to the military base. And then uh, he decides to stay because, look, there are people here who need you. Um, mm. And then it kind of ultimately ultimately becomes, and now we're all going to leave. You know, again, something that the movie could have done something with and really didn't. The idea that, you know, he, he yeah. kind of gave up his brother essentially to save these people. And then, you know, with the events of the last third... Um, you know, was that the right decision? I think, I think you know, um, zombie movies in general, especially, you know, if we're talking about Night of the Living Dead, um, one of the joys of that movie, not to uh, give away the ending of a 50-year-old movie or a 45-year-old movie, but, um, <laughs> you know, one of the joy, one of the, one of the great ironies, not, I won't say one of the joys, one of the great ironies of the movie is that um, the racist, horrifying, sexist, old white guy um, spends the entire movie convincing them if they just go into the cellar they'll all live. And uh, the whole battle is that the our good guy, our hero, says, no, we need to get out of here. And it turns out that in the end, going to the cellar is exactly what you had to do to, uh, you know, yeah. um, so that, you know, the idea that you can be a good person and you can have perfectly good reasons and still be wrong about things um, yeah. is definitely a huge part of, uh, you know, the, the Romero movies certainly kind of play with that a lot. Uh, and I yeah. think most of the Romero imitators, and this one is not an exception to that, um, really don't have that much thought in their head about it. Um, it's a little bit more straightforward, um, a lot more simplistic in terms of the, the kind of moral lessons that it's trying to teach. Uh, what did you think about the uh, uh, both the zombie, uh, basically just the zombie effects and the fact that it's uh, it sort of champions the fast zombies, the running zombies. Um, I'm n I've never been a big uh, fast zombie guy. I think that, you know, the, the key to the zombie, the key to the zombie as a monster is the uh, the mass of them will defeat you. You know, um, all a zombie mm -hmm. is is hunger. Um, I kind of get that you can do these fast-paced, kind of 28 days later uh you know, action sequences that it's like more intrinsically terrifying on a like, oh my god, there's this thing that's going to like run and get me sort of idea. Um, but mm -hmm. I kind of like the idea that an individual zombie is not really that dangerous. It's the mass of a hundred million zombies that destroys the world. Um, that's sort of yeah. just where I prefer my zombie movies. Um, but uh, certainly, I, I think they're fairly well used here um again the zombies are more the kind of exterior threat that keeps people in the mall and then the real story happens in the mall yeah. you know it's it's you, you don't you know i kind of said this earlier you really don't get a lot of zombie action in this um until you know the kind of the no. last third i mean if anything they uh the the you see the characters themselves and this was also true in the in the original movie it's like once they cleared the zombies out of the mall they weren't really a threat anymore. They were almost uh, a joke 
Uh, I mean, they they have that scene where they're uh, shooting zombies in the crowd that are that look like celebrities. Uh, Jay Jay Leno and Burt Reynolds get their heads blown right, off. Basically. Right, right, yeah. Um, and the the idea that you know, again, even here, you know, um, even with the fast zombies, uh, you know, they they've they essentially set up the rule that these zombies just can't get into the mall, um, which is this kind of uh, yeah. you know, when the very first scene of the movie or the very first kind of big sequence shows a zombie in one hit break through a, a, a car windshield and then you know all this glass in the mall these zombies are just completely unable to even touch it um so that that's a mm. uh it, it feels a little bit like a narrative mistake there uh you know just kind of like one of those logical holes but they essentially treat once you're in the mall you're safe um uh, you know you're, you're yeah that, that's sort of the big idea here unless you let a zombie in which again they don't really do anything with you know, how do you deal with people who are, um, who have been affected, uh, you know, infected? Do you, do you, do you yeah. owe it to yourself to kill them or do you do the humane thing and let them live? Um, they, again, something that they kind of brush over, but they don't really deal with. Um, I think, I think in a lot of yeah. cases, you know, this doesn't feel new. Um, there's very little in this film that feels like, oh, this is a new idea. Um, I think that what kept me interested was just the performances were, were quite good. I, I thought that, uh, they were, you know, taking yeah. these old ideas and just kind of executing them well um, kind of kept me kept me involved in this movie um, more than I thought I would. I, I mean, to be fair, the the actors here are, I mean, these are these are all seasoned actors who have, and a lot of like Canadian uh, character actors and stuff because they did some of the production in Canada. Oh, that's why it sucks. Um, Got it. All right. <laughs> but uh but i mean you you take this and you compare it to the acting in the original film uh most of the actors in that were all amateurs right. uh so like like as, as far as like making this a slick well-acted production um it does work better in that sort of regard but at the same time the performances in the original feel uh kind of more naturalistic in a way well too, you know so. you, you hire a non-actor and you kind of put them in this situation and you know let's be real a, a being a uh, being zombie food is not exactly something that you need a ton of uh, acting experience to do um but when you put good actors in those roles they they tend to bring something to it that you i uh, wouldn't necessarily expect it is it is kind of interesting in some of these movies where Oh, there's a character actor I recognize. Um, he's going to actually have a, a an interesting moment coming up. Um, whereas then you get the the mass of people who are just random people, and then oh, they're just going to die, you know, randomly and horribly yeah. or something. Um, now again, Matt Frewer I think does a great job in his you know kind of little five minutes or yeah. so that he's in the movie. Uh, Ving Rhames is I think the real star here. Um, not that I'm saying anything you know. Uh, controversial in saying Ving Rhames is a really good actor. Um, Mackay Pfeiffer, uh, we haven't really <laughs> talked about him at all. I think I do want to kind of talk about about his big scene. Mm -hmm. He has a couple of big scenes, um, but I think he's good here. I think he sells a moment. I think he sells something that was really would have been really hard to buy if if there wasn't a good actor in that role. Um, yeah. Sarah Polly is fine. She doesn't really have anything to do. Um, that's pretty much it. Oh, guy across the street, uh, the, the gun store owner. Uh, yeah, um, the the guy who played yeah, Andy. Uh, yeah. I don't know uh, his name, but uh, he there is a, a special feature on the disc which is all him. Uh, it's like his, uh, yeah, you know, his yeah. video diary, and that was uh, pretty effective uh, when you when you actually see him like yeah. being able to talk. 
you, you know, he, he does a lot in the film with, like, I think there are two spoken lines in the entire movie or something. So, um, you know, m- mostly a visual performance and mostly from a distance, you know, where you don't really get a, a real close-up yeah. on him. Um, nice, nice acting job on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess we, I guess we could, uh, I just want to say one more thing about the sure. zombies that I really appreciated. Um, the fact that they were dirty, oh. their, their clothes were soiled and dirty. They, they actually had the, uh, appearance of what a real corpse would be like, like, uh, just being like, you know, covered in dirt or, uh, oozing some sort of blood or some other sort of bodily fluids after they died. Uh, much more, much more effective than what you see in most zombie movies, where you see uh, dead people running around in perfectly clean right. clothes. <laughs> um, I, I always thought it was interesting. Um, and again, just talk as long as we're talking about zombie makeup. The original Dawn of the Dead, uh, Romero zombies often look like sickly green. You know, this kind of very, um, mm. I don't even, you know, unnatural. Not even like it doesn't even look like dead flesh. They look like kind of cartoony zombies. Um, and yeah. that's like an intentional effect, uh, you know, like Romero intends yeah. it to kind of look like that. Um, I think that nowadays we really yeah. expect our zombies to look realistic to, to a much more, uh, yeah. to a, to a much greater degree than I think they did, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, uh, which, you know, I don't know. I like the idea that, you know, we are kind of putting a lot of effort into making the zombies look realistically kind of dirty and, and decaying and that sort of thing. Um, I also kind of miss the the artistic freedom that maybe came from the the earlier days. So you know, you kind of say, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. nowadays if you put a zombie movie out there and people were just wearing like green paint on their faces, you'd say, you know, you'd be, what the fuck is this? This isn't a zombie movie, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, just just something to think about. I, I'm not, I don't even know that I have a point there, but um, uh, do you have? Uh, I would like to talk about the uh, the big Mackay Pfeiffer scene. Um, if you, uh, what did you yeah. think of that scene or would you like to describe it? Okay. Well, um, Mackay Pfeiffer plays a character called Andre and he has a, uh, wife named Luda and she's, uh, I guess like a Russian national yeah, somewhere or from Eastern Europe, like, you know, that, that vaguely, you know, Eastern yeah. Europe girl, I guess. And she's pregnant and early on in the film, she gets bit and it's kind of, and it's sort of hidden from, from the rest of the, the people in the mall and he realizes really quick that, oh, she's bit, but she's pregnant and we're going to have a baby. Um, and he basically iso- isolates himself and her from the rest of the group. Um, and he he has this scene with, uh, actually a really good scene, I thought, with uh, Ving Rhames, where they're in the bathroom there one morning. And they're, they're basically, he's he's asking Ving, like, what what do you think about all this? Like, is this, like, God's punishment or whatever? And, and Ving Rhames thinks, oh, he's just trying to, woe is me. He's trying to, you know, make excuses for the way his life has turned out. Because uh, Mikhail Pfeiffer's character is sort of, like, it's implied that he was probably a criminal of some sort, maybe, in his past. Um, and he's like, no, all I wanted, basically, he, he, he confesses that he just wants to make a life for his family he wants to give his child all the stuff he never had he wants to be a better person and you know and and, and make his family uh, work so he he's determined to do that to the point where um his wife is getting sick and eventually dies and turns into a zombie while pregnant and basically he she gives she well she sort of gives birth <laughs> a very horrifying birth i will say that you know 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, to a zombie baby. And, of course, this basically snaps uh, Mikhail Pfeiffer's mind. Like, he's he's gone at that point. And he, he still has it in him that he wants to keep his family together and protect it. And because of this, that ends in some unfortunate violence where the, the trucker lady ends up dying. And he ends up dying. And it, I, it's a really... It's a really effective kind of shock scene, but I don't think it particularly gets uh, explored any any anywhere beyond that. It's like it it's not something that the movie really sits and ponders on too too long. It it just it's like oh that was really really shocking, and well, that's it. It it's, feels it's like they had the over. idea, and this this is kind of where I say James Gunn's fingers are kind of on this. Uh, fingerprints are kind of on this, where the 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 idea of like a zombie baby, you know, a zombie birth, um, feels like one of those like little fucked up ideas that that James Gunn would just delight with glee in bringing to the big screen with anything approaching a a reasonable budget. Um, and so you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, it is sort of like that kind of idea that one of the joys of horror movies is that they can kind of be anything as long as they deliver the scares. So you can you know. Yeah. Romero makes a movie that's about commercialism, but because it's got a bunch of uh, rotting dead people in it and, you know, some really cool makeup effects, uh, you, you know, it, it makes a ton of money. You, you know, it's it's one of those, like, he, he uses the, the horror genre to uh, tell whatever the fuck story he wants to tell to, to varying results later in his yeah. career, I think. Here, I think that the... Uh, you know, I wish that we had gotten a little bit more of a sense of who these two characters were. Um, I do think that the Mackay Pfeiffer yeah. character, uh, you know, Mackay Pfeiffer is doing the best he can with the material he's given. I do think that it's a little problematic to have two black people in a movie, one of whom is a cop and the other is a is a thief. You know, um, you know, you do, you do yeah. kind of get that like, um, yeah, he couldn't have just worked at Best Buy. You know, <laughs> like. Uh, you know, really, we're just, we're, we're doing that. Okay. That's fine. Um, but, uh, you know, Mackay Pfeiffer is doing a good job here. I really wish that we had focused on like how, because when we see Luda later in the film, we haven't seen her in a while. And then when we see her, she is like, Mm. uh, bound to the bed, um, about to give birth, dying of the the zombie sickness or, or whatever, you know? And, um, you get the... Uh, I wish we had gotten a sense of, like, was this a decision they made together? Was this, uh, you know, what was the process that led to this? You know, has Mackay Pfeiffer been kind of slowly building up to this? Uh, You know, there's a whole movie that happened in that room uh, that we didn't get to see. And there is this sort of thing that you see sometimes in these kind of movies, or in movies in general, where there's a more interesting movie happening you know, over in the other room where, uh, you know, uh, how do these two people make this decision? You know, who, who, you know, how did they meet? How do you know, uh, I kind of get left with these questions, you know, Um, watching Mackay Pfeiffer slowly kind of devolve into uh, insanity, focusing irrationally on this baby instead of on his uh, wife who needs his attentions arguably more because she's dying of the zombie sickness. You know, uh, there's a really interesting idea there. It's not really explored very well in this moment, but I yeah. do think this, the, the kind of shock scene is good. I like the effects here. 
Um, and I do think that the decision to not sh actually show the baby get shot in the face was probably a good one. Um, the camera does, yeah. you know, it is kind of one of those things where, you know, you think like, oh, Zack Snyder and, and James Gunn are going to just like stick your nose in it and, and make you, you know, choke on it. But uh, they actually really hold back from, from some of the big gory moments that you might otherwise expect to see. Um, and I was really happy they didn't show, oh, uh, zombie, zombie gets shot in the face. You know, zombie baby gets shot in the face. Um, yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they could have. No, I, 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 I highly doubt they could have. But you know, the unrated version. I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that they didn't do that and then just stick it on the unrated disc. Um, but you know, mm. re restraint, restraint, restraint was a good choice here. I think it was really, um, really yeah. effective and really, um, you really got a sense of the tragedy of it. If this was, if this was one of those, uh, I mean, there's zombie like, this was sort of like the start of like this and twenty eight days later and Shaun of the Dead was sort of the reboot of like the sort of zombie trend of films that hasn't actually hasn't died down at all in the last. 10 years or more so yeah there are um, so many movies that are it's down like, of the dead at this point you know but i mean in a lesser like independent movie you would have seen the zombie baby get mm -hmm, shot in the mm -hmm. face i guess we should probably start moving towards the end of the film what do you think of kind of the, the last um you know the basically the bus sequence i guess we could call it um or the the getting to the boat sequence what do you what do you think of the end of the film I thought it was uh, a really good action setup. I mean, they needed something. I mean, they did it like a, like I said before. They didn't have the bikers attacking the mall like in the original, so they needed something a little different. And uh, instead of and they, of course they didn't have the helicopter like they did in the original. So um, it seems like it seems like if they wanted to escape the mall, it was probably the most logical plan. And it makes for a really good looking like action scene. Like when they come out of the mall into that big mass of zombies. Like there's just so many there that they can't even, I really trucks. was hoping like, the end of the movie would be, we spent all this time planning it. We've got all these like clever little slits on the side for our chainsaws and all that sort of thing. And the buses move all of 20 feet and then get stuck in the mass of zombies. <laughs> and then everybody dies. I yeah. would have cackled so hard. I mean, yeah, that would have been just, that would probably been even more effective, but I mean, they still sort of end up in the same situation eventually. I mean, they get like, some of them get right. to the boat and, and even then, uh, if you watch the actual credit sequence, you see the videotape from, uh, rich douchebags camera, uh, where they're filming stuff over his videos. And you see, uh, you see them get to the island. You see they're running out of water and food, uh, and the, the the island they eventually boat to um, that's overrun with zombies too. And it's like it's pr pretty much implied that they're dead yeah, like, anyway. Like, everybody no dies escape. in this movie. I, I don't know that there's any argument that yeah. that anybody survives longer than the you know the last final credit of this movie. You know, um, yeah. Again, interestingly, staying in the mall probably would have been the better choice. You know, like. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. who knows how long the whatever leftover food from the, you know, food court in the mall would have lasted. Um, but they, they kind of never make a big deal out of it. It's like, oh yeah, we got tons of food, you know, um, uh, yeah. probably unrealistic. Also unrealistic. Uh, have you ever been in a mall with a hardware store? Um, seems like maybe, maybe, mm. maybe they're, maybe they're all over the place. I've never seen a mall with a hardware store in it. I've seen hardware stores attached 
to like strip malls, but not like right, a big like indoor no, mall. No indoor entrance, you know, like where you can just walk, yeah. you know, in complete safety from the outdoor zombies and get and buy barbed wire. I, you can't buy barbed wire at a mall. So, um, no, they didn't buy the barbed wire from the mall. That, that, that came from the uh, chain fences down oh, in, you're the, right. in the, in you're the right, uh, you're car right. park. Um, right. But they, they make like aluminum uh, siding. Oh yeah. We'll get some aluminum siding or we'll get some doors from, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Just one of those things. It seems like in zombie movies, there are gun stores and, uh, hardware stores in like every mall. And, uh, you know, unrealistic i've never seen either of those things in a mall i can't remember if this movie came after uh romero's land of the dead or before but it seems to me like it was almost uh, a nod to land of the dead because they had that big uh truck that they'd go around searching towns for food and and supplies and stuff in in dead uh, reckoning Reckoning wasn't in fact the original title of land of the dead was going to be dead reckoning which i think another yeah. thing um no i think i think land of the dead came after this so um but i think the pre-production on that mm. was you know i don't think romero stole it from here i think you know it was just kind of an independent concept yeah but um yeah personally i think the ending is fairly effective i think it does kind of become kind of a little bit generic action movie towards the end um mm-hmm. i did like the sequence where they're gonna go rescue uh, andy and then uh, the dog and the girl who wants to save the dog. And then uh, the yeah. uh, just the tragedy that befalls there. Um, I thought that was pretty effective because, uh, you yeah. know, it is kind of like a very realistic thing that, oh, we're going to use the dog because the zombies don't seem to notice the dog. And then, you know, the the person who has a real connection to the dog, you know, wants to go save the dog. Uh, you know, I, I wish it wasn't... Uh, the 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 girl again that we don't have any connection to and don't know as a person because i guarantee you my yeah. wife is an amazingly strong wonderful um person who is who can who can uh hold up with the with the best of them if that dog was in danger she would go put herself in danger to save the dog no no question you know yeah um yeah, it, it is a shame. Again, it goes back to how some of these characters aren't fleshed out because that's the character is uh, Nicole, played by Lindy Booth, who is actually a really good actress. Yeah, um, she does fine with the material and she's, she's given. She's, there's just not any material here. Sorry. Mm, but yeah, but but yeah, there. I mean, it doesn't really flesh out that it's just sort of semi-implied that she's making this connection with this dog because she, her her dad Matt Frewer has you know is dead and the rest of her family's dead so she she's trying to hang on to like anything just to keep her sanity. And again, again, the story of how people connect to whatever in their lives, in their new lives gives them meaning and gives them hope when Mm -hmm. the entire world is being destroyed. Maybe somebody should make a movie about that. (laughs) Like, you know, um, (laughs) you know, it, it does, it does feel like, you know, the, the, uh, the film is entertaining, but it, it it's kind of uh, here and gone. You know, I, I I don't really, you know, thinking back to it, I'm like, yeah, there are all these little things that I would love to see explored in a movie, as opposed to just kind of, uh, yeah. And then that happened. Um, pretty cool. Um, mm. It's an entertaining movie. I, I liked it. I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I guess I'm ready to sum up. How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it more than I thought I was. Uh, I would definitely recommend it if you can if you can borrow it or if you can get it cheap um i don't think it's streaming on any service right now but uh if you uh you know 
uh, the DVD is worth five bucks if you see it for five bucks or something. Um, I mean, I would even I would even pay oh, yeah, ten bucks for it, honestly. If you're, you know, if you're a fan of the genre, yeah. although if you're a fan of the genre, you've probably already seen it. But um, definitely see the original first um, and uh, play the Dead Rising mm-hmm. series of video games because uh, the first the first one in particular <laughs> is a lot of fun and a very different kind of plot. Um, and you can uh, use chainsaws to kill clowns and shit. So do that. Um, Oh, and read World War Z as long as we're talking zombie stuff. Um, but no, see the original Dawn of the mm. Dead. I think that one has a. If you're only going to see one, definitely see the original. Um, no question. But um, yeah. this is a worthy remake. It's a fun movie, and it's not really much more than that. But it doesn't really have to be. So, um, and uh, yeah. it, it inspired a, a little conversation between us. So, awesome. Yeah, I I think um, I think in the tide of the overwhelming tide of shitty zombie movies that have come out in the last 15 years or so. This is one of the ones that stands out as being really good. Uh, there was definitely a lot of, uh, love and affection put behind this one to make it a good movie. Uh, I don't fault it for not being as deep as Romero's because I think the filmmakers realized that if they tried to match Romero's, uh, original in, in that regard, they were probably going to fail. Um, uh, or they were going to make a movie that was so long that no one was going to watch it anyway in today's audience. So, I think it was an I think it was a good idea to make it a a fast paced, more action driven one. And I mean, it hits all the notes it really needs to hit to keep the audience engaged. And there are some nice little moments here and there that are that get you to think. There's a couple little moments of horror. There, you know, there's the zombie baby. There's the moment where they're talking uh, in the restaurant or whatever, and uh, the main uh, the main white guy there, the only um, white guy as I described him earlier. Jake, yeah, yeah, J- Jake Weber who played Michael. He, he, they were talking about per, uh, what, what was your best, what was the the job you were best at or whatever, and he says uh, being a father. Uh, what was the job he was worst at, being a, a husband? You know, and it's implied that he's lost all of his kids and stuff. And there's a nice little silent beat there where everyone's like, oh shit. Uh, but yeah, so there there are good moments in it for that, and there's good moments in it if you just want to see zombies get their heads blown off too. So uh, it, it's it's a win win uh, for everybody as far as I'm concerned, and it's definitely a worthy movie to have. It, it's not one of those ones where you go, oh remake, poo poo. It, it's got to suck because it's one of the rare remakes that's really really good. I it, think, and so. Ving Rhames gets to play chess, which is always uh, always welcome in a film. <laughs> I I want to see Ving Rhames play Bobby Fischer or something. You know, like <laughs> I you yeah. know I don't care. Like put a wig on him. You know, whatever. But uh, um, uh, sorry, I just got completely distracted by that mental image. Um. No, a decent yeah. flick. I, I wonder if this movie wasn't called Dawn of the Dead. If they just given another title, I wonder if people, you know, how people would have responded to it. Um, if it wasn't like listed as uh, official remake of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. If they had, if they had taken it out of the mall, I think it might have been even more well received. Right. Probably. I, I mean, putting it in the mall, it's just too obvious. Like, even if they didn't say it was an official remake, it would have been too yeah, obvious. Yeah, and they don't do think, much with so. the mall. I mean, they could put them in a supermarket or something, you know, no. like it. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. So, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, it's still, this podcast, as, as of right now, is still on YouTube. Um, so you can make comments right under the YouTube video. Uh, I'll have a have it up on a hosting service here pretty soon within the next either month or so so uh, and um 
Daniel, would you like to give your uh, contact? Sure. Uh, you can find me probably... Best way to find me at this point is on Twitter. I'm Daniel E. Harper, D-A-N-I-E-L-E-H-A-R-P-E-R. Uh, if you want to listen to me talk about other things, I do have a podcast of my own, uh, which I intentionally get to run as opposed to just running Lee's podcast uh, <laughs> into the ground. Um, and that's Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. I run that with my wife, um, who is uh, very tolerant to let me talk over her very often. Um because that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, and you can find that at oispaceman.libson.com. That's oispaceman.libson.com. Um, all one word. Uh, and that's that's really what I want to plug. So go if you're a Doctor Who fan, um, we're uh, we talk about we talk a lot about Doctor Who, so go check that out. And yeah, you can find me, of course, uh, Lee Russell on uh, YouTube. Just search for either Lee Russell or uh, Ogly Beer Reviews, H-O-U-G-L-Y, and you can get, find me on Twitter, Hogley uh, uh, Reviews as well. And uh, you can email me if you want to directly contact me and tell me how stupid I am about this movie. Hogley uh, Reviews at gmail.com. Okay, so I, I guess we can uh, wrap up here, and as is tradition with this podcast, until the uh, copyright people come banhammering me... Um, we pick a, a song from a, either a, a movie soundtrack that's related or from the actual movie soundtrack, and it's your turn this time. Um, I picked. Uh, there's a there's a cool little Johnny Cash bit. The, the music in this movie we didn't talk about it. But the music in this movie is really good, and there's a, a nice little uh, kind of Johnny mm. Cash uh, bit in the middle, um, which is kind of played ironically, but not entirely ironically. Um, yeah. And I'll just kind of leave it at that rather than try to describe it. But uh, definitely worth uh, seeing yeah, the movie it's... almost just for that. It's it's a cool little sequence. And, um, you know, it's, yeah. while listening to Johnny Cash and thinking about zombies, I suddenly just had this, like, free association uh, to God's Gonna Cut You Down. Uh, which is, yeah. uh, you know, even even as a, a, an atheist, that's a great song. <laughs> and, uh, you know... It just seems very apropos for a zombie movie. I don't, you know, it's it may be a little on the nose, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I free associated. That's what I thought of. So that's what I picked. I guess we will uh, play out. Uh, we'll talk to you later, Daniel, and we'll talk to our audience later, all three Until people. Until then, so. the balcony <laughs> is closed. Yes. <laughs> and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing, 
multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom. Then the father hen will call his chickens home. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around, whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In measured a hundredweight and penny pound. When the man comes around. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him.